Friday night fan pregame. Sportsnet, Sportsnet 590, the fan for the next hour. And I'm getting myself out the door to Scotia Bank Arena. I think I can get there in 10 minutes before puck drop. Well, we'll be relying on the TTC. Uh, Friday night fun, one day away from USC at 298. Volkanovski and Topuria kicking off in Anaheim. We're going to chat with Aaron Bronsetter shortly after weigh-ins have all completed. He's going to Take a nice break in his day and Zoom with us. Getting where? You got to tell us where you're going at Scotiabank Arena. What's the event? PWHL, Battle of Bay Street, Toronto, Montreal. Obviously. Like a, a hundred Dartmouth alumni also in attendance. <laughs> we might all be in this sweater. In so a single section. <laughs> so it'll be, uh, can't miss. Uh, a shank yesterday and a uh, WD today. Tiger Woods jumped on a cart after his tee shot on seven at the Riviera, ending his tournament it's not all bad news, though. Mackenzie Hughes is in contention with Patrick Cantlay leading. Uh, Adam Stanley will join us in about a half hour to talk about uh, the Genesis Invitational, what's going on with Tiger Woods and Canadian golfers on the rise. We've got NBA All-Star Weekend beginning in Indiana. We've got best bets, predictions later in the show. It's obviously like a couple staggered events. Steph and Sabrina. We've got the All-Star opportunity, maybe. This is when MVP Shea shines first mm. we got all that a little later in the show and we saw manoa with the beard and the mullets and everything yesterday and we heard from him today uh we have some sound from the big puma's availability after his humbling 2023 season all right so you mentioned it a little earlier tiger out at the genesis so it's tough <laughs> tiger's last six starts withdrawal miss the cut tied for 45th withdrawal 18th out of 20th <laughs> Withdrawed uh, in his last six official starts since the car accident. He's only finished 72 holes twice this weekend alone or these last two days alone. He had the shank, which was kind of funny because it made us feel human mm-hmm. uh, on 18, said that that one led up to back spasms a bit. And then today withdraw officially seeing that it was from an illness. Yeah. Not sure how that one played out. But nonetheless, his goal earlier this year was to play once a month. Tough start to that, but he did technically play. But I guess, and you asked me this question off air, it's like, is this fun anymore for golf fans? I think we need to like, I think we need to give him a pass for this, right? Mm -hmm. Because an illness is an illness. We don't know what's going on Mm -hmm. with Tiger Woods' body and how he's feeling and all that stuff. Like he wasn't like he was playing awful. He was in contention to make a cut. It wasn't like his tournament was over. He was seven over and he was just, you know, miserable going around the course and just decided not uh, to finish his round today. So probably something legitimate was going on. But again, you kind of laid it out there. Mm-hmm. Withdraw, miscut, T45, withdraw, 18 of 20, withdraw his last six events. And if he's planning to play once a month, like what is it going to look like at the mm-hmm. end of the season when we do the same thing in terms of his, you know, his his resume or his recent resume? I, I am a little bit worried about the idea of him playing once a month, but I think the one thing that we kind of hold on to is that Tiger Woods isn't going to embarrass himself. Mm-hmm. Even if he jumps on a cart and gets out of there, he ain't going to embarrass himself, or at least we don't think he will, or I don't think he will. So uh, I'm going to reserve the right to judge now, but the once-a-month thing and maybe just continuing to play golf is a little bit ambitious mm-hmm. at this point. I think when, when the accident happened and Tiger made his you know unbelievable return to golf, it was so easy and so exciting as a fan base to get back with Tiger just playing golf, right? And then in the back of your mind, it's Tiger Woods. I, I think that there's always feels like there's a chance that Tiger finds a way to contend. Yeah, maybe he's not there at the top of the leaderboard on Sunday, but is he in the mix f- f- through the full 
weekend, right? Are we going to see a sun, day, red, tiger? And and I don't think that it's going in that direction. But any opportunity you get to see Tiger Woods golf feels great. And now when you're seeing him struggling, or and today you're right, we'll give him a pass. I mean, he's if he's, he's ill, he's ill. He was looking good. I still think there's a lot more opportunities this summer. Um, maybe this is the best kind of case scenario. You're not getting injured, hopefully, at the Genesis. I mean, yesterday he did have the back thing. And whenever the next time he's out, maybe he's well-rested enough. But I don't know. I kind of toe that line. I want to see Tiger play golf. I want to see Tiger win tournaments. I don't know if that's ever going to happen again. I don't want to see Tiger struggling. I don't want to see Tiger unable to complete a round because of injury. So you kind of have to take what you can and enjoy it while you can, right? And yesterday, to be fair, like, it was pretty fun. And he beat Rory McIlroy by two shots. He had the same mm-hmm. score as Adam Scott. I'm looking at the list. that hit the gala. Cameron Young. It's not like he was overmatched by any stretch of the imagination. And yet still watching it as much as I could didn't feel right. Didn't feel completely like it was Tiger. And I guess it's not 20, 25 years ago, of course. Um, but again, reserve judgment. Let's see what happens. I think if it's yesterday, we'll all be happy with it. Mm-hmm. But if it's back spasms, mm-hmm. shank, illness, on the cart, I'm done at Riviera, and we play that song over and over again, it ain't going to be as fun. No. Uh, we're going to talk to Adam Stanley a little later in the show, talk about Tiger, the shank, Sunday red, Nick Taylor lore, obviously with the, his finish the other day. Not good for the Sunday red stock, It, it isn't, way. but maybe people Missing will feel bad outfits. and they'll pay more. Uh, Mackenzie Hughes, six under 65 today, uh, tied for the low round of the week so far. Just one shot back of the lead heading into a weekend. So Canadians in the mix at the Genesis, uh, that to come with Adam Stanley. But let's pivot to Aaron Bronsetter, of course, of Sportsnet uh, down in Anaheim. Ronnie, what's going on? <laughs> Everything is great down here in lovely Orange County and getting excited for some big fights. And the good suit, once again, Looking Aaron Bronsetter <laughs> never fails uh, with the suit. Okay, we got a big main event in UFC 298. Alexander Volkanovsky, Ilya Tapuria. Volkanovsky's an interesting one here. He's playing this character now uh, this week or has been of, the, you know, he's the old man. He's wearing the old man gear. Uh, and he's gone through like an, an interesting last, I guess we'll call it six to eight months, Stock hits an all-time high in a loss to Makachev. Then he comes back, rematches Makachev on short notice, gets knocked out really quickly. And now he's talking about being old. Uh, wh- where are we with Alexander Volkanovsky in this moment right now? Is he sort of playing that card to, to set expectations in some way? Or should we all be considering this one of the greatest of all time is getting ready for another showcase performance? Well, when there's a narrative, you can do two things. You can try to shift the narrative or you can own the narrative. And it looks like he's owning the narrative. This is an interesting stat. At 170, uh, 170 pounds rather and lower, the fighters over 35 in championship bouts are 1-21 in against younger opponents. Like It's just a staggering stat. But the, there's also some things to consider here. So when you look at the weight classes from 155 and down, Volkanovski is only the second ever defending champion at 35. So does that mean that you know, he's the exception to the rule? I think it does. I think that he's somebody who has proven time and time again that he is an exceptional fighter and somebody who continues to look great regardless of whether or not it's against younger opponents. In fact, at featherweight, the younger opponents are 15 and 6 in championship bouts. But of those six, five of them are Alexander Volkanovsky that have won as the older opponent. So, I mean, again, I just think that he's more the exception to the rule than the rule itself. And that's what makes this an exciting fight because Topuri, at 27 years old, undefeated, you know, this is going to be a, an uphill climb for Volkanovski, but we also have to remember Volkanovski is just 
he's an elite talent. He's one of the greatest to ever do it. And so for Topuria, I think it's going to be an uphill climb as well. And it's a pick em fight, which I thought was interesting. I, I bet it wouldn't have been a pick em fight if he didn't suffer that second loss to Makachev because his stock, again, as I mentioned, was at an all-time high given how he finished that fight. But it's not a pick em fight just because of Volkanovski. It's what Tapuria brings to the table. So what sort of challenge does the challenger present in this matchup? And do you expect it to be trickier than previous matchups for Volkanovski? Yeah, just to expand on your point, you talk about his stock being an all-time high. One thing that people keep forgetting is everybody keeps pointing at the Makhachev fights last year. There was a fight in between those two fights against Jair Rodriguez, who's a legit challenger at featherweight. And Volkanovski put on a clinic against him. That's seven months ago. So are we to expect that in seven months, his skills have diminished so much that this is an even-money fight? But Topuria, like you said, this guy's been on a tear as well. He's an undefeated fighter. Against Josh Emmett, you saw a 10-7 round which uh, you rarely see, except for you guys, who your very first fight sitting cage, so I got to see a 10-7 round. But believe me, that's an anomaly in this sport. So I think that it, it makes for an interesting conversation because we've seen Topuria just absolutely handle business, but we haven't really seen him have to fight through a ton of adversity. I think against Jai Herbert when he was fighting upper weight class, that, that first round was a little bit tough, but we haven't seen Topuria face somebody who is going to you know, not necessarily be the nail to his hammer. And I think Volkanovsky, we haven't really seen him in situations where for prolonged periods of time, he's losing a fight. So I think that he's going to have to face everything that he can handle against Volkanovsky. But hey, if he can pass that test, Mm -hmm. we're talking about perhaps the biggest European star in the UFC since Conor McGregor. So uh, I think that uh, the stakes are very high for Topuria. It's always a tough question to answer, uh, but put you on the spot. Is Volkanovski a a Mount Rushmore for you? Is he close? Uh, I know sometimes those are hard to cement or concrete into stone, but where is he on yours? I like that metaphor you used, but uh, well, let's let's go over it. So we got John Jones, (laughs) we got GSP. For me, I think Anderson Silva's up there. And then that's always, for me, it's like you got to figure out who your Mm. fourth is. I don't know if Volkanovski's quite there yet. In fact, I think the conversation for Volkanovski whether or not he's the greatest featherweight of all time is interesting because Max mm-hmm. Holloway, I think, is a you know phenomenal candidate there. Jose Aldo, I think, you know, if you pulled people, most people I think would take Jose Aldo. So uh, let, let's go one step at a time. <laughs> okay, so in the main event, uh, we got Robert Whitaker versus Paulo Costa. Uh, what's more interesting uh, for you in this fight? Is it the potential for Robert Whitaker to have another run at the title or just seeing what the hell Paulo Costa brings to the cage this time around? I think it's the latter because Paulo Costa's resume really hasn't aged that well. You look at the fights that he's had where he's looked great and had wins early on when he was getting these knockouts. It was against guys that had a foot out the door or people that just weren't on his level. The last really great performance he had actually was in this building in the Honda Center against Yoel Romero. That was the last ranked middleweight that he's beaten. So he's ranked number six, but I think he really needs to prove that he still belongs in that discussion as a top 10 middleweight you know again even his last win against Luke Rockhold is a guy who had a foot out the door so I I think that that's what I'm curious to see is like how will Paulo Costa fight against the guy who was like undoubtedly a top three middleweight on this planet uh, we last time we talked was ahead of, of the UFC that was here, and there was obviously a lot of drama during weigh-ins. They had a little bit of drama today. Last-minute brother replacing brother at the weight. Like, what is going on there? You got to give us the, I guess, Sparks notes of something I, I assume would be unprecedented that you saw today. Well, for a late replacement, it doesn't get any easier than heavyweight <laughs> yeah. because a lot of these heavyweights mm. walk around on weight. Like Tafa got on the scale, it was two forty-nine, and the cutoff is two sixty-six. So this is a guy that's already there with his brother to corner him he's already on the ufc roster so all of the barriers of entry that you would see aren't really there so 
the, the stranger cases were like back in, in the day in Houston, you had uh, John Jones face Dominic Reyes, but a fighter fell off the card and James Krause, who was there as a coach, stepped in on short notice day of and actually weighed in at the ceremonial weigh-ins and that was his official weigh-in it was texas so i mean the texas mm. commission uh, you know they're, they're very texas so they, <laughs> they fly a little bit uh, you know loose with the rules uh, every now and then but california are pretty buttoned down in terms mm. of what you can and can't do but uh, just in this situation they kind of knew two or three hours or maybe even longer in advance that that justin had gotten injured i saw justin walking around with crutches mm. in the lobbies they must have known for some time and i'm sure that's when the wheels were in motion so it seems very short notice to i think the people that were there covering the weigh-ins but i think that both teams had a pretty decent amount of notice to make sure that both fighters were comfortable with it and that the commission was going to sign off like i think they had a little bit more laneway than uh or runway rather than we would have <laughs> suggested or seen in terms of reports the taffas travel together and at least one of them uh will fight uh for me uh, the most interesting fight, aside from the main event, is Marab Devalishvili versus Henry Cejudo. Henry Cejudo, a former Olympian, a uh, very, very decorated guy. Marab Devalishvili is just like crazy wrestler who has cardio for days. Uh, but I think the more interesting part of it is Cejudo because Cejudo retired at the top of the game and maybe waited too long to come back because he's coming off a loss to Aljamain Sterling, who's obviously a tremendous fighter in his own right. But do you think, you know, he the window maybe is closed and running into a guy like Marab Devalishvili is going to be tough for Henry Cejudo to, you know, get the train back on the tracks and get himself back into a title contention uh, spot? Ooh, he He's definitely frozen. I thought he just loved our he question. Was so, I thought he was <laughs> we'll, we'll so intense. We'll try to get back uh, with Aaron Bronstetter <laughs> in a second. Oh, that was good. I was like, he's really thinking hard mm-hmm. about your answer. I was just stunned by <laughs> silence. Uh, okay, so uh, the guy that's Olympian, right? Um, yeah, Henry Cejudo. That is like, you know, that's not a common thing. I mean, obviously, I'm new into UFC, right, and MMA. But yeah, I mean, to be an of- Olympian and to be able to win medals and then come and, and conquer a different sport is pretty incredible. I think that's the differentiator is that, like, okay, you go to the Olympics, but you won. Like you, you That's won the Olympics. Like a lot of them have a wrestling base and yes, they start of off with that. Maybe they're wrestling collegiately and then they transition to something that can actually make money because mm-hmm. wrestling, you don't really make money, right? Like you don't, we don't log into Sportsnet uh, Plus and, and get the wrestling division one championships. We should. It, it, although maybe, maybe we should and maybe we will one day. Uh, but it's more of, okay, how can I make money with this wrestling base? And then they go on and do other things. But of course, he followed that to the Olympics, won an Olympic mm-hmm. medal. Uh, and then won two UFC titles, I think, after that. Uh, but he retired when he was at the top of his game and just kind of thought that was enough. Maybe he didn't want to run into that loss. Maybe he didn't know if he had enough left or if he could continue with the grind and weight cutting and all that stuff because I think he's a, a 135-er. Um, but now, you know, as you leave, everybody else is getting better. And, mm. and I think a lot of the guys probably caught up to him, but he still has a chance to get back uh, to where he started. I, I do like how Aaron Bronsetter mentioned the Conor McGregor uh, parallels mm-hmm. with Ilya Tapuria because the guy who called himself the next Conor McGregor, McGregor is Ian Gary. He's also on this card. But the one thing he doesn't do that McGregor always does is he's stopped talking. He's, mm-hmm. He was telling himself and telling everybody that he was going to be the next Conor McGregor. And since he stopped, it looks like he's been able to give a little bit more. So a lot of intriguing uh, fights on this card, including former Olympians and, and a champion in Alexander Volkanovsky, uh, worth, I think, reconnecting with Aaron Brostetter if we can. But if we can't, uh, you know, at least we got his opinion on the main event. Um, I, we will just mention, if you're looking forward to watching uh, UFC 2 tonight, you can pay for, you can purchase pay-per-view through Sportsnet Plus and watch the prelims on Sportsnet 360 starting at 8 p.m.
do believe he's back. Okay, I think we got Aaron Bronstetter back. I don't know if you there heard is. my question. <laughs> uh, on uh, Cejudo and Marab Davalashvili, uh, Aaron Bronstetter uh, back with us. But with Cejudo, I was talking about the window closing, retiring on top, and whether he has enough left to make a run and what it'll be like when people are catching up to you while you're on the sidelines. And certainly, Marab Davalashvili is one of those guys who is doing the catching up. Doesn't look like we're going to get back with, you know what? <laughs> with Aaron Bronstetter. We'll tell Bronny we appreciate his time. Yeah. We love him. Have fun this And weekend. to send in his best bets. Oh, yeah, we'll actually, yeah. Get him chance. to send our best bets in, and then we, we will uh, we'll wrap that. We'll make sure everybody shares it on the weekend. I, I do want to ask you about UFC 300. I'm not going to be able sure. to give you the answer that Bronny was going to give you uh, on that question. But I, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be able to. So, obviously, there's still not a main card prediction, event, right? Main event. Main event. Yeah. And... Obviously, you know, Conor McGregor, like my understanding of this is he's like available, but he's not going to like they're not putting him in there. Do you have any idea like when or why or how they're going to get to headline this massive? It's 300. Like this isn't I mean, 298, 299 actually look great, but 300 is supposed to be the big checkpoint, right? This is the one that people are going to want to pay and see. Mm -hmm. And it should be a main, main, main one in your history. Yeah. 100 was big, 200 is big, they want 300 to so be big. So what is taking so long? Obviously. Like, What do they want? I don't know. Maybe it comes down to negotiating with mm-hmm. Conor McGregor. Apparently we're going to find out the main event this weekend. That's what I'm thinking, It's yeah. going to let everyone know. I mean, you could just like, if they didn't withhold, hey, we haven't told you what the main event is, You pro- it's probably passable. Like, the card is really, really good. It could be fine as is, but they set this standard where... Mm-hmm. Uh, they got to come with something that might be bigger than a normal event. Where and is the only Conor thing bigger Conor McGregor? Like, I, is that the I thing? I mean, that... if John Jones fought, I think it would be passable. I mm. mean, he, uh, Aaron Bronstetter mentioned him as a Mount Rushmore guy, and he's the heavyweight champion of mm-hmm. the UFC right now. So I think that would be great. But I'm looking at the card now, and there's massive names everywhere. So it's it's like they've got 95 percent of it done. But you just need the star that's bigger than everybody else on the card in order to push. And it seems like there's down. maybe one guy out there and that that's could the do problem. that. It's like a, it's a leverage play with anything. So Conor McGregor's probably looking at it like, okay, you need me. So where's the extra million? Where's the extra mm-hmm. five million? Where's the extra ten million for me to make my comeback on my terms? And that's probably what they're dealing with right now. But if they just got John Jones, I think they'd be they'd be fine. All right, uh, UFC two ninety eight in. Uh, well, he said he was in. It's in. It's in Anaheim, Anaheim Orange County. Yeah, Orange County. I've never been to either, so I can't tell you. Uh, it is on Sportsnet Plus, a pay-per-view, and then you can watch the prelims on Sportsnet 360 starting tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Um, all right, we teased it earlier. We talked We talked to, we heard from Alec Manoa yesterday. Uh, we saw Alec Manoa yesterday. We heard from him today. Looks like a different guy. He's coming in, I think, from my understanding of listing and seeing some of the clips from today, you know, and I don't blame him. Less talk about last year, more talk about this year. But obviously questions are going to be asked of, like, what's different? How, did, how was it when you... <laughs> When you had a tough go, right? And so we do have some audio from Alec Benoa. The one that I want to play first was the question, and it's the third one here on, on, on the list for our audio here. Um, does he see himself in the rotation? Because this is the big question. Where is Alec Benoa going to be slotted? And we talked to Shai Vidi yesterday. The understanding is that they're putting him in the fifth spot, right? There is still a competition. Let's see what Alec Benoa had to say when asked. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I Every every time I throw a baseball, it's uh, it's to help this team win a World Series. So um, they don't uh, they don't give out World Series trophies in, in AAA. So I, I want to be with the team. All right, like good spirits. They don't give out World Series trophies in AAA. I mean, you didn't go to AAA last year, anyway. 
Um, but I think seeing yourself <laughs> in the rotation is, is obviously bare minimum uh, for Alec Mano, but that might be also the ceiling in a sense. Oh, yeah. I mean, every time you throw a baseball, you're helping the Toronto Blue Jays win a championship. And, and, and I mean, yeah, we want to see him in the rotation. Mm-hmm. If he's not in the rotation, there that means there's a problem, right? But that is means- the bare minimum to be in the rotation, but is the ceiling also for him to be the fifth star is my question. Like, do you see but him? But that's all a performance base. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, eventually, when, th- when the lines get blurred and it's July and, you know, there's an injury and all, mm-hmm. everything, like, it doesn't really matter at that mm-hmm. point. I think there's the one ceremonial thing. You're the opening day starter. That's great. But there comes a certain point where it's just every fifth day for everybody, yeah. and that's fine. And he can, that means there's just runway. Like, you can, you have plenty of time to prove yourself as better than a fifth starter, better than a fourth, better than a third maybe starting opening day next year. I mean, mm, I, I just whoa. think... it's a big jump. Well, he did the year before. Yeah, yeah, and that was probably debatable. But we, but at this time last year, we were talking mm-hmm. about, and a lot of people, uh, we're probably knew Kevin Gosman. that Kevin Gosman should have been. And yes, I agree. But it doesn't matter. That's not what set the tone for both their seasons. It really is just like a feather in the cap more than anything. Mm-hmm. But he was the guy. He was the guy for the Toronto Blue Jays at this time last year and every expectation was that he would be that guy and i think if all everything goes right if he finds himself he's going to be the guy that's competing for that once again it may just be after kevin gosman moves on at the end of his contract whatever that whenever that day may come i hope that never happens well uh, he's not going to pitch forever (laughs) i hope he does (laughs) it would be nice if he did for the Toronto blue jays Uh. but uh, again it's just like that stuff's that stuff doesn't matter Mm -hmm. what matters is can he help this team win games and if he's talking about every pitch and his energy being towards one thing, which is have, helping the Toronto Blue Jays win baseball games, well, that's a big step in the right direction compared to last year when it felt like there were other intentions and mm. other things that were affecting his day-to-day. And it wasn't just about the team. It was a little bit about him and maybe him being a little bit unhappy with his situation, how he was pitching, how he was being treated and just kind of feeling sorry for himself. But if the energy, again, is directed in one positive way, then maybe good things come of that, and we don't have to really quibble with, well, is he the second best starter on this team, or is he the fifth? Alec Manoa has the opportunity to be one of the best stories in baseball this year. Like, no pressure, but you really do. Think about sure. comeback player of the year in any sport. This guy was was put on this... Pull the Joe Flacco. It, the, yeah, Joe Flacco. He was given the ball to start the season for the Toronto Blue Jays, who were World Series co-favorites to start last year, as crazy as that sounds. And like an MLB darling after the All-Star 100%. appearance where he's talking to he was uh, the, the guy. Fox broadcast. Like, yeah, people, he, people his stock was who, at an all-time People high. learned who Alec Manoa were last, the year before. He got an opportunity to continue that. And from opening day, it was bad to worse, right? Mm-hmm. So far that... People were writing him off, his career off. We had conversations about how hard is it to, to get demoted to, you know, Buffalo and work your way up. And a lot of people said, yeah, it's probably like not really going to happen. Or if it does, it's going to blow you away. And so the rest of the season goes the way it does. Alec Manoa comes in fresh face. He looks different. He sounds like he's taken a lot of off the field work as well in terms of like mental approach to it, physical approach to it, understanding what's different this time around. And he really does have the opportunity to be the story that everyone in MLB is talking about, not just here in Toronto and on Sportsnet, but like when we when we catch up with 
anyone across baseball, they could be watching what Alec Manoa does this year. No pressure, but what an awesome opportunity. Yeah, I think it is, hopefully, he understands that you can't get it all back at once, right? That mm-hmm. there's probably going to be steps towards this. There's and there'll be, be step back Incremental sometime. strides, there's going to be a step back. It's how you deal with all that. So, yeah, I mean, we laid it out. His story is one of the most important ones. And, as you mentioned, could be the best one of this season if he returns to form and he's just a productive member of a baseball team Mm -hmm. that is leaning on its pitching staff more than anything else to win baseball games. Think about how excited we were when Kikuchi was Grapefruit League MVP. When Manoa gets out there for his first start and, you know, he pitches three scoreless innings and they give him a short leash, I will be be on here with a Manoa jersey. All right, let's take a quick break. Adam Stanley is going to join us on the other side. We'll talk about Tiger withdrawing from the Genesis, then we'll do our best bets after that. Hey, it's Ben Ennis. And I'm Brent Gunning. We got you covered on all things Leafs, Raptors, and Blue Jays every weekday morning, 6 to 9. It's the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590 The Fan, and wherever you get your podcasts. We're back on the fan pregame Sportsnet Sportsnet 590 the fam for the next half hour uh, we have been watching Tiger and now there is no Tiger no more this out of the genesis as we mentioned earlier in the show last six starts have not been great uh, withdraw miss a cut tied for 45th withdraw 18 out of 20 withdraw uh, finished 72 holes just twice in the six official starts since the car accident a shank on 18 yesterday and illness today Justin's telling me Twitter has ambulance. Yeah, there's some weird. Well, okay, you let's Adam confirm. Stanley about it, but there's there's there are photos of an ambulance arrived at Riviera. There are people connecting it to potentially Tiger Could Woods. Could be anyone. Uh, but Tiger has not been taken away on a stretcher or an ambulance or anything yet. But an ambulance did come. So we'll, we we should probably leave it to the professionals here when uh, discussing ambulances. But uh, yeah, that's the word on Twitter right now. How about our professional, our newest Sportsnet colleague, Adam Stanley, joining us? Adam, so good to have you back in the mix. How's it going? Yeah, thanks so much for uh, having me back, and uh, I'm excited to get this year uh, get this year going. I didn't know I was going to be uh, Tiger tracking next to some ambulances <laughs> and paramedics and et cetera, et cetera. But I guess with Tiger Woods in the mix, um, anything can happen. Who do, knows? Do you have any idea what's going on there, or is that like a precautionary measure, or everyone's still kind of in the dark? Yeah, that that's pretty much it. Everyone's still pretty much in the dark. Um, you know, I was refreshing uh, Twitter just before coming on. Uh, I sent a couple texts to some folks who are on the ground, and and really, there's 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 been nothing to this point. Um, as you mentioned a couple of minutes ago, there is uh, a, a fire truck and paramedics outside of the clubhouse at the Riviera Country Club, which arrived pretty much just just minutes after Tiger Woods was carted into the the Country Club. That that's those are just the facts. It's all speculation to this point. Uh, he did. Say he withdrew due to illness. Uh, Bob Herrig, who's from Sports Illustrated, uh, he had tweeted that Tiger did visit the uh, the bathrooms uh, adjacent to the sixth uh, tee a couple of times prior to withdrawing uh, the next hole uh, on uh, number seven. So um, whether it's it's illness for sure, or if it's something else, the fact that it wasn't you know back injury, ankle injury, and etc. Hopefully that means uh, that that's good in air quotes. Maybe that's good news for moving forward. But um, yeah, a lot of questions right now. And, and really no answers unfortunately there's a reason why john Rahm was fighting for those porta potties like sometimes uh, <laughs> sometimes it's all it's sometimes those are the specific things that you need it's very direct in, in in what's needed on the golf course okay so let's go back to tiger 
starting this tournament. Uh, obviously, the Shank yesterday we'll get to, and we'll get into the Sunday red as well. But having uh, Tiger back in the mix, as we said, is exciting. We talked about it at the top of the show. We like to see Tiger golfing. Uh, his goal was to golf once and uh, be in a tournament once a month. Um, and this is an illness, so we won't let that like, you know shade our, our thoughts of the season. Like, what do you think the season portrays for Tiger Woods? Health competition level, all of that encompassing uh, what could be hopefully a really interesting season? Uh, That's probably the best word to describe Mm -hmm. it. I think that we are seeing this Tiger Woods, you know, reach the reach the end. We we, we don't really want to embrace that word but i think that's kind of where we're at certainly now more more than ever you know he's come out and just fully admitted his body cannot do anything more than than once a month and and i think if we do see him once a month that means this event that means probably the players championship and then of course the major championships for the balance of the season uh, as the rest of the year unfolds and and i think that's okay i mean the guy is 48 49 years old uh surgically repaired enhanced put back together again broken down put back together all over again so um he does move the needle he remains the needle in in men's professional golf uh max homa you know he said a couple days ago that any event that tiger woods tees it up in is is better for for golf and and it's great for golf and you know you you just have to take a quick look online to see how many other pros are watching golf on thursday morning Mm -hmm. because tiger woods is in it so um what that means, you know, for going forward, like he was the one that fully came out and said, my ankle feels better. It's, I had an ankle fusion. I can walk again. My swing feels pretty good. I'm excited to get back in to the mode of competition, uh, which ended up happening for not that long this week, unfortunately. And I think that's going to be the thing that we see more of moving forward. Tiger says, I'm here. I'm going to compete. I want to win. I feel good. But his body may not allow him to do what his mind is hoping that he can do as we move forward. So he re-enters competition this year uh, without Nike check marks all over his person. Uh, mm-hmm. it, is it weird for you seeing a new logo uh, on Tiger Woods, one that's, uh, you know, I guess his doing and in conjunction with TaylorMade, but uh, no Nike for Tiger. Like, it definitely is a new era. A hundred percent. And I think that because there's all these iconic memories and moments and accomplishments and they've all happened with tiger wearing nike for someone like myself and even someone you know any of the guys who are on the pga tour uh who have pointed to tiger woods as being the reason why they wanted to be professional golfers they all have this tiger x nike um you know vision in their in their head so it is super strange to have him being an athlete that's transcended golf and transcended sport uh and have that iconic relationship last yeah pretty much just about three decades uh, to come to an end. But obviously Tiger's ready to kind of enter this next little era, whatever it may end up being. I thought today's outfit was pretty sick. Like it was Mm -hmm. a a throwback to when he first made his uh, debut at Riviera when he was 16. So the shirt and the color scheme and the blocking looked exactly the same as the shirt that he wore uh, back then, which I thought was pretty sweet. And if they end up doing some of those throwbacks a little bit more as the year goes on and at different majors. Like if he shows up at Sawgrass wearing that straw hat that he had when he won the U.S. Amateur at uh, at, at TPC Sawgrass as well, like people are going to go nuts. So I think that retro cool style, if they really lean into that, is going to be going to be nice as we kind of combine the throwback era with this new era. Um, but to answer your question specifically, although it may be cool, 
it, it is kind of weird because all you've kind of known in Tiger Woods' career is this kind of Nike relationship, and it's made all those iconic moments that much more special. we got to get Adam Stanley rocking some Sunday red. Hey, you got your hands on three any words. merch? Yeah. Three words. <laughs> you mean, have to have I the one space. Of those, <laughs> one of those cashmere hoodies I would definitely I would definitely rock. Some of we'll the other stuff, maybe, maybe more, more <laughs> questions about that, but uh, some of the stuff looked pretty good. Um, all right. I, I just did see on Twitter that it looks like um, – Tiger had an IV and was just treated for flu-like symptoms, and he should be okay and is not apparently leaving in the ambulance. That's okay. our, our latest update. Okay. Uh, fever, dizzy, dehydrated, flu-like symptoms. So that's uh, reassuring. So we'll see you next month, right? Yeah, yeah. I hey, so. He'll be back. we got to keep him away from in and out It seemed like the in and out think there's at a, the pro oh, okay. Yeah, I'm seeing uh, yeah, a lot of no that. No pickles, right? No pickles. I'm seeing a lot of, like, uh, split screens of Tiger with the burger and then Tiger on the cart not looking yeah, well. Got to be cooked through. Anyway, it's got to be it's got to be cooked. The pickles they were thrown in the trash. Apparently, Jordan Spieth was also not feeling very good. Sky oh, Sports goodness. reported that. Okay. So I don't th- I think we got to leave the burgers. Don't leave them out in the sun for all that long. I think this this may, may be the issue. <laughs> well, hopefully, Adam, that the Canadians avoided the burgers, right? Yes. Uh, we're obviously coming off a great weekend for Canadian golf. And this weekend could be shaping up to be mm. pretty strong as well. Right now, T2 Mackenzie Hughes and climbing up 23 spots today, Corey Connors up to fifth place on the current leaderboard, all chasing Patrick Cantlay, who has a three-shot lead at 11 under. Uh, Canadian golf for you. I mean, you've been, you've been right there. You've been, you've been covering it for a long time. Is this as good as it's ever been on the men's side? Yeah, 100%. And, you know, Brooke Henderson is doing, you know, her thing on the women's side. And you kind of take that out of the equation because she's won two majors. She's won 13 times. All the guys, any chance they get, they know that they're chasing her. But this collective group on the men's side you know five count them six maybe taylor pendrith any week like they they can go out and they can win and the fact that they're all kind of early 30s mid 30s adam hadwin's the oldest at 36 and they know that they're going to keep pushing one another mackenzie hughes um was asked about it uh today after his incredible round 65 moved him up uh into that tie for second like you said and he's like yeah we we saw nick taylor we saw him clutch up we saw him you know do the darn thing last week in a playoff and it's like, all right, okay, he's got four. We're chasing him. That's that's what I want to get to uh, as well. And Corey was was the number one number one ranked male Canadian uh, for almost a year in the world rankings, and, and Nick just jumped him. So again, Mackenzie Hughes said that was another guy. That's another spot. We're chasing that. We want to get after that. So the the fact that they're all pushing each other, the fact that they're all in their primes, the fact that they're all putting themselves in the conversation and in the mix at some of the biggest events can only mean that hopefully the next big thing is for them to all contend and and compete and maybe win uh, a major championship. Cause right now um, it's probably been better than ever. It's super exciting. Um, You know, you look at the Phoenix open, that's a stout field at a big time uh, venue. And then this week, Riviera iconic golf course, it's a signature event. And yet you look at this leaderboard and I think all five of them are in the top 30, if not in the top 25 uh, as it stands right now. So uh, yeah, another exciting weekend. And, And I think the next thing, is really just to try to see them, uh, like I said, contend at major championships. Could the next big thing be full swing featuring Nick Taylor season three? What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? I, I could be. I so this is mm. so I was told that that Nick has done an interview with the full swing oh. 
crew um, and still kind of feeling out the interest and, and kind of trying to, to see if it's going to fit and, and et cetera, et cetera, because it's, it is pretty intrusive. Like if they want the, if they want the juice, they're going to have to really be, you know, involved with the family and kind of the behind the scenes. And, and that's really where the best stuff comes from. But I, I can confirm that he's done an interview uh, with them and, and there was definitely some cameras and some mics uh, around that victory last week at the Phoenix open. So cool. uh, season three, we shall see. They're yeah. coming for you next. If we're seeing Nick Taylor in season three, we're seeing Adam Stanley in season three for but, sure. That's a lock. Oh my God, might, need some, might need some of that insight. Exactly. There you go. Uh, looking forward to that. Okay. So Sick. I mentioned Patrick Cantley's leading the tournament. I mean, we're talking like underdogs and like uh, long shots, at least in golf and long shots have already won on tour this year. The fact that he's not a live guy is, I, I think, the biggest long shot going. Like, this guy likes money, appreciates money, has turned down the money. Like, Patrick mm. Cantley still being on the PGA Tour, to me, seems almost impossible. Is that is that just a ridiculous take? Or do you see some merit to him being interested in the tour that he, I guess, hasn't, you know, made the jump to? Yeah, I mean, I would maybe say that was, like, a tepid take. It's not, like, too, too hot. It's also not, like, too, too cold either. That's I think Justin the thing tepid. That, <laughs> <laughs> Justin Tepid, yeah, yes. I think Luke that warm on his best day. <laughs> yeah. on the on the on the best of days. I think that the Patrick Cantlay thing, he wants to be the smartest guy in the room, and I don't know that he would be allowed to be that in live because of how much money is getting floated in and and kind of all the other alphas that are around. But on the PGA Tour, you know, Cantlay's on that uh, player advisory council. He's on the board. You know, the things that he says and the things that he does can really kind of shape the PGA Tour and, and it's kind of go forward direction. And from what I understand and and from what I've talked to and kind of gleaned, I think he kind of enjoys that opportunity to be kind of the smartest guy in the room and, and kind of say say his piece and, and move on. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that the fact that he isn't over there it is surprising, but also the fact that he stayed on the PGA Tour is not all that surprising either. We're talking to Adam Stanley, a golf reporter here with us at Sportsnet. So uh, the best thing about talking to you early on in the season here as things get started is we can talk about expectations, talk about newcomers. Uh, maybe you can make a, a hot take on someone that might be uh, an up-and-comer that we should keep a focus on this year. Is there someone that might have a breakthrough, not a Canadian, uh, or maybe a Canadian, uh, <laughs> that we should be investing in early maybe? Yeah, I mean, there's some of the guys who've come from the Corn Ferry Tour, um, you know, are, are guys who have kind of been there, done that. Like you, you look at like Ludwig Oberg and that guy's, you know, 22 and he's already number 11 in the world. He's already won. And, and the thing is like, he was competing in college, you know, 11 months ago, yeah. not even. And, and these guys who are in college now or have just come out of college, you know, they are, they are ready. Like there's not really much of an opportunity for them to just kind of get their feet wet and kind of see what we're going to do. Um, you know, they're going to really, they're going to really get out there and they're really going to get after it. So, you know, there's a rookie on the PGA tour this year, Adrian, um, uh, he, he's, uh, <laughs> Adrian, de, and anyways, Adrian, de, that's okay. it yeah yeah he's he's from he's from europe yeah, but it's a tough he, one <laughs> he won his he won in his debut on the corn ferry tour his pro debut and then he lost in a playoff the very next week and i think he's got all the tools uh to really uh to really surprise a lot of people so he's super young he's fresh from college uh but he like i said he won in his pro debut so uh adrian de chater de Chassard, I think he's a guy to watch out for for sure this year. We're gonna, I'm gonna throw that one at Ailish later. No, see, definitely not. Uh, he's got four names. It's like it's a lot of it's a lot of things. I'll, I'll text it later. Let's see, my, bo- <laughs> my boy Adrian. 
Uh, yeah. The rookie. That's, That's all you need. Uh, here's one we can all wrap our heads around. Rory McIlroy. I got um, that one. <laughs> Rory, it feels like there's a little less shine on him right now or at least less attention i'm not really sure if that's accurate but rory mcelroy after the whole live pga thing like he's obviously front facing with all that and now i guess he's just playing golf but he's not playing golf you know at a rate where he's winning right now at least uh he was not very good yesterday he was better today what are your expectations for rory this year like are we gonna finally put this major thing to bed uh, or is it another year where you know the skeletons remain in that closet I hope so. Uh, <laughs> I think the thing with Rory is that we have been so accustomed to seeing Rory and hearing Rory and getting his opinion and all the clicky articles have been wrapped in, you know, Rory said, and then they have a big long shelf life until he tees it up again um, because he was the voice of the PGA tour for two plus years. And then, you know, at the end of last year, he kind of said like, screw it guys. Like I'm out. Like I was really committed to doing this. And then you kind of went one way without me even knowing anyways. So Go ahead, do do whatever you want. So let Patrick Cantley deal with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the combination of like Rory, like all right, like I'm out is one thing, and the fact that he's only played two PGA Tour events to this point in the year is probably the other side of that coin. Uh, Rory's set to play a lot of PGA Tour golf though over the next couple of weeks. Like um, he's going to play a, in Texas leading into the Masters, which he hasn't done in a couple of years. Uh, he's going to play that new event, the Cognizant Classic down in Palm Beach, which he hasn't played. Well, it's, it's an old event, but it's got a new sponsor. He hasn't played that in a bunch of years either. So um, I think we're going to be hearing a lot more both from Rory and about Rory, um, you know, when the calendar turns to March. And then obviously, you know, he's won the players before, so he'll be in that mix. He also didn't do any press conference this week week and, and that was by design he said no i'm not doing that so probably around sawgrass and then of course leading into the masters he'll he'll do one too and then the big questions will come back about uh hey man when are you gonna when are you gonna win a green jacket you ever gonna do that mm. uh and then obviously the major championship season will unfold uh after that as well so um yeah not a lot from rory uh up to this point in the year but i'm sure we'll start hearing a lot more from him and and i i personally do think that like the weight is off the weight's off his shoulders and uh, he's going to try to just keep concentrating on golf and, and kind of go from there. But, you know, it was interesting the, those last two years when he was like being the man and also the golfer, mm-hmm. like he did pretty darn good. Like he, he was player of the year. One of the years won the FedEx cup. And then, um, you know, last year he won a couple of times too. So yeah. I don't know, maybe for him, he kind of needs that where it's like, no, I got to do this and I'm going to compartmentalize. I'm going to do that versus now where he can, you know, just kind of play and not care about the other stuff. So that'll be something to, um, Keep an eye on for the rest of the year, for sure. One guy that I'm always invested in, uh, Justin knows this. Every time we do our golf picks for the weekends, I'm always like Victor Hovland, Victor Hovland. And he's he performs well, but he's not there with the major yet in terms of getting one. Uh, 26 years old, right? I, I wonder if you see him continuing to be in the mix this year. What can like set him over the edge so that I can actually cash one of these like win, win, win ones and Justin can stop like bugging me for picking him. (laughs) Well, I think, I think what he proved last year, you know, through those FedEx cup playoffs and winning the FedEx cup is that like he can, he can back up one good week with another good week. Mm -hmm. He can back up one good round with another and kind of snowball it. And he has all the tools to compete and contend, you know, at some pretty serious venues against, you know, obviously the best of that particular season. So that, kind of infusion or injection of confidence can only be beneficial um, as it relates to the major championships. And to your point, he's 26, but he's going to have played, you know, Augusta National 
at least four or five times by now. So he'll, he'll kind of know his way around there. Yeah. This might be his year uh, at at the masters. And then the U S open, that'll be a new venue for him. The PGA, that'll be a new venue for him. Uh, And then uh, the British, uh, he may have played there a couple of times. So, you know, it's experience, it's confidence and the skill set that he has right now um, is, is pretty solid. So you know, you look at Victor Hovland, you look at Scotty Scheffler, obviously only if that dude could putt, Um, you know, you look at Rory, you look at, you know, any of those guys who are, who are ranked, in the top 10 of the world um on the from the pga tour perspective you know all those guys have kind of been there mm-hmm. for at least a year if not two if not three so their bodies of work are just better than everyone else's and that consistency i think law of averages should kind of end up resulting in them uh not knocking a major off uh sooner rather than later okay this is the year that's what i wrote down one of these is gonna happen uh last one for you adam <laughs> what, have you ever golfed this is like just a personal question have you ever golfed the briars in sutton jackson's point have you been there yes i have yeah yeah, you yeah. Have? yeah okay I have. okay yeah. andrew holland and i he works on our show of course you probably connected with him we're both from sutton small Sutton. Okay. nobody's from sutton yeah and we're like well, i wonder if stanley's ever golfed the briars because that was like where i grew up and so we yeah. have to get no, out there this summer Oh, this that sounds packed. good. Tight, tight little spot, but got yep. a great little, uh, yes. Okay. Yes. That's so I, nice I know that you it, know uh, our yeah. little golf club. <laughs> I, I, I do. I do. I've been there. I think you're going to know it. It's Adam Stanley. Of course he knows it. <laughs> the voice of golf, but I yeah. didn't know you were I, I am Sportsnet's golf reporter now. I should be exactly. able to have these That doesn't these, mean you have to know every, like, muni in I think he knows every, it's a beautiful course, and we're going to, we're going to manifest ourselves there this summer, okay? Sounds like a plan. I love it. Done deal. Works for me. Okay. All right, we uh, really appreciate Victor it. Hovland Major and the and the Briars. <laughs> oh my done. God, okay. it's sold. Yeah. That's the summer of my dreams. Um, all right, Adam, we, <laughs> we appreciate your time. Um, enjoy and and thanks for all the Tiger Watch. So we got through it. I think to the bottom of it. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, thanks. Thanks so much, See you guys. Adam Stanley, of course, of Sportsnet. Uh, that Tiger seems like a it's a crappy situation. You, boom, boom. You looked at Anyone? me like I was. I shouldn't have said what I said. Anyone? I got it. It's. I hope it's just that. Okay. Just say that it's a four-shot lead now for Patrick Cantlay. That's uh, our guy. Genesis and we Tiger will not be catching him. Definitely not. Not be catching him. All right. Uh, let's wrap this up with some best bets. NBA All-Star Weekend. PWHL tonight. UFC 298. Let's bring in the man, the myth, the legend, Andrew Holland himself. Holly. Okay. We just talked quickly. Briars. He's been there. We're in. It's locked and loaded. Uh, I'm so proud of us for. For manifesting this. Oh, I can't I can't wait. Um, I think I'm it's gonna fired be awesome. up. Okay, so Holly is our Scotty's expert. He's our curling champion. Uh so you got some best bets for us. What do you got? Well, unfortunately I can't find anything that's like for the <laughs> tournament <laughs> itself. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, no one's putting it out, so That's you can right. you can bet game to game. But okay. I, if if there was an odd for the future, <laughs> I would definitely take Rachel Holman. She's been really hot right now. She's won the last two Grand Slam of curling titles. She lost in the final, the one before. So I think she's the best. And you know, if you want to do a nostalgic pick, Jennifer Jones and her last yes. Scotties. And you know, I like that. Do. Yeah, for sure. Okay. We were asking you, not saying if you want. Like, is, no, is it Holman? Am I bets. playing Holman? I would play Holman, yes. Okay. playing Rachel Holman. Especially with some of the news that came out today about mm. Carrie Anderson's team. She's going to be without her lead. So, okay. yeah. Holman is, baby. Holman. All okay. right. All right. Thanks, Holly. Holly. Lock it in. We appreciate Lock that. in the Briars, too, all right? Of course, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, my best bet, oh, of course. Like, you just you, Dartmouth sweater, Dartmouth girl in town, Laura Stacy playing underneath the banner of her great-grandfather, King Clancy, skating out at Scotiabank Arena today, sold out crowd. Anytime goal plus two ten. That's pretty good. And if not, friends off. 
<laughs> stakes are high for Laura Stacey. Maybe not, Laura. Uh, tonight at the Battle on Bay Street. Uh, okay, I'm going to UFC 298. Alexander Volkanovsky. Volk, minus 110. This guy is close to Mount Rushmore. He's not on Aaron Bronstetter's Mount Rushmore. Yeah. But he's close to Mount Rushmore. And for that reason, when a Mount Rushmore guy is at pick odds, you take him over a young guy in Ilya Tapuria. I know there are a lot of stats pointing to the young guys beating the old guys in title fights, uh, but I'm going with the old guy, Alexander Volkanovsky, in the main event of UFC 298. Another pick from the card, Mirab Duvalishvili, who's taken on Henry Sudo, as we talked about, parlayed with Danny Barlow plus 116. And uh, we should get some bets in for NBA All-Star Weekend as well. Yes, uh, we're both in on this one. Tyrese Halliburton, NBA All-Star Game MVP. It's his city. It's his time. The guy cares a lot. We just saw Austin Matthews win mm-hmm. an All-Star MVP on home soil. I think there's a little eight home to one. cooking. I'm seeing it 8-1. to one. I think that's yeah. just prime picking right yeah. there. He's going to have the opportunity to score. They're going to want to showcase him as much as possible. He's going to have an opportunity to put the points in, and he might get the home cooking vote. So I am all in playing anything Tyrese mm-hmm. Halliburton this weekend. I also like him in the three-point contest plus 500. He's technically the favorite or tied co-favorites hmm. with Damian Lillard, but everyone's bunched in so close. Yeah. It's like Halliburton's Halliburton. If he's healthy, he's ready to go. I'm, I'm riding with him. So Halliburton all weekend, if we catch one of those, we're way in the profit. Um, we're going to Halliburton. Spending our winnings. Okay. Um, <laughs> Sabrina to beat Steph Curry. I mean, did you see our girl last night, Caitlin Clark, it's all-time record, like it's women's basketball time. I want Sabrina to beat Steph Curry. I think. Uh, I might sprinkle on that too. Plus 200 for Sabrina Ionescu. She'll bring the- it because this is a huge, like any time that a woman pitted against a man in an event, main stage, I'm going team woman, right? So Sabrina plus 200. I like that a lot. Um, are you a dunk guy? I, I I haven't put any. I mean, I enjoyed it last year. Always, last year with Mac McClung. Always winning. Mac McClung, right? And I think we were on Mac McClung you last were on year. It. That's I feel why like I we asked had a reason you. why. Uh, is, I don't know if we were tipped off, but he's a minus 200 favorite. Jalen Brown, Jacob Toppin, Jaime Jaquez Jr. are the other three in the event. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be chasing an underdog there because nah. Mac McClung like, doesn't play basketball like these <laughs> other guys. Dunks. Like I know he plays in the, in the G League and everything. Uh, and I guess he's been, you know, masquerading as an NBA player at times. But I feel like he's had a lot of, this is his bread and butter, right? Mm-hmm. This is his thing. It's what he's been working towards while Jalen Brown's trying to win games with the Boston Celtics. So I will just let sleeping dogs lie there. Mac McClung's probably going to repeat as dunk champion. I put some money on Austin Matthews to win the heart last night. I got a note about that today. You should probably talk about it. I'm glad you brought it up. A hat trick last night. He's willing this team from horrible performances. Not even that. If he scores 70 goals, you win heart trophy. That's what I'm saying. So if he scores it, give him the heart trophy. 14 to 1? It was 13 to 1 last night when I okay. bet it. So best of luck. All right, everyone, have an enjoyable weekend. Uh, see you down at the rink in about 10 minutes for Big PWHL game and enjoy USC 298. We'll see you Monday.